Thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Pixel and Graphite Convention Podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Sai. And we are here to give you the insider scoop about conventions. If you haven't heard about us just yet, or if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'll tell you a little bit about us. Pixel and Graphite is a convention business. We sell original and fandom-based items at different conventions. We've been going around Arizona, basically. We're hoping to branch out to at least California and Texas, but baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> and we've just been selling our stuff there. Um, our stuff is also available online. Our website is pixelandgraphite.net, but our store is pixelandgraphite.ticktail.com. And you can also check us out on our social media sites. Uh, we got Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Patreon. Yep. Very soon. And one of our newer conventions that we're going to be going to is uh, Game On. Yes. And I'm actually looking really forward to that. I mean, it's game-themed. Right? It's the convention was made for us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's going to be in Mesa, and from August 5th to the 7th, and we're going to be selling a bunch of game-themed items, so feel free to check us out. If you want to check out our store online, pixelandgraphite.ticktail.com, I know I mentioned that earlier, um, but if you're really into games, you might like our Love Your Gamer Side tote bag. Yeah, um, we took it to the our Phoenix Comic-Con uh, giveaway event this year, and it was a big hit, and the, the lovely lady who won it, I've seen so many posts on Instagram and Twitter from her, she's just so sweet, and I nice. love seeing her people enjoy the stuff they get from us. Yeah, it's super awesome to see that. It's just, I like it when people get happy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, you definitely can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Other than that, we really hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. Um, it's actually a three-part mini-series that we'll be talking about getting started at conventions. Super basic. Really basic stuff. Yeah. But we're, we're trying to aim this towards beginner artists who want to approach the convention world and, and go... All right, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, we just want to give you all the steps that you can follow or not follow. That's your prerogative. <laughs> just basic overviews of what we've learned that is yes. usually a fairly best practice. Yeah, and um, with us, you know, being a convention business, we, we've had our fair share of conventions ups and downs, so... Yeah. <laughs> We kind of know what we're talking about. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. We try. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about three different steps from finding out what convention to talk to, applying for a booth, and what to bring. So first off, I think you mentioned this yesterday. Basically, um, step zero before you even go decide to go, I want to do a convention. Take a moment, just pause, and evaluate yourself as an artist and your artwork. Because you don't want to go into your first convention and come away feeling like you've failed. Artists who spend years working on their their craft or on whatever or whatever skill they're trying to hone to sell, mm -hmm. it takes time to build up a following and to build up a confidence. And I don't want any new artists to just jump in and they do horrible at the first con and then they feel like, well, I'll just never do this again. This is a horrible experience. Yeah, because that has happened before to yeah. several friends where they'll do it the first year and, you know, stuff goes wrong for them and they decide not to do it next year. When in reality, it's basically just not to say anything wrong about them, but they just didn't do their research. Yeah, and this is why I think step zero is a great 
thing to do before you even consider going to the other steps for Clever, because taking an honest look at where you are artistically will tell you if you're ready to do a convention. And it's one of those, sometimes you have to be brutally honest, and sometimes you need to ask opinions of people you trust to go, do you think I'm ready for this? Mm -hmm. Because having that extra confidence of knowing you're ready for this, your art is ready for this, yeah. will help you to go into a convention, and whether you succeed or fail, it's a learning experience instead of just a horrible, scarring instance of failure. <laughs> and we don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just be brutally honest with yourself and with your work, too. Yeah. So a good question to ask yourself is this when you're looking at art, think about, will a total stranger buy this? Exactly. Yeah. So, And if so, then you can continue hearing the podcast. <laughs> I mean, you can listen anyway, but... <laughs> if not, turn this off and go away. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> All right. So step one, um, after step zero, once you find out if you're ready to sell a convention or not, basically just find out what convention you want to sell at. Now, there's different ways that you can go about finding a convention you want to sell at. Um, one of the most popular ones are basically Google. <laughs> Facebook, if you follow certain people, certain artists on Facebook, you'll see that they'll post on their social media sites where they'll be attending. Mm -hmm. And um, conventions are very popular during the summer because yep. kids are off school and some people happen to be free for that summer. Um, but there's there are conventions year-round, depending where. Mm -hmm. I think it was, you said it, that there's actually a convention going on almost every weekend. Yeah, usually there is one, and um, you can find them if you're looking for them. True, yes. Um, I kind of did the hard work for whoever's listening. <laughs> um, I will mention three websites. One of them is containment.greententacles.com. It's a really great website. It kind of has like a little map where you can point and click, and it'll list what conventions are around. But bear in mind, it'll not only list conventions, it'll also list any fairs or festivals, art crawls, things like that. So if you're thinking about doing like art shows before doing a convention, it's a good website. Mm -hmm. Another one is conventionscene.com. It does list different conventions as well, but it will also list um, sports events as well. So you would have to kind of be more specific when you're searching, and that doesn't have a point-and-click map. It's It has a search bar, basically. The last one is called geekcal.com. And it's really interesting because it actually lists different web or different conventions. And by conventions, I mean comic cons, anime cons, and I believe toy expos mm. or gamer cons. Yeah. Because gamer cons are now starting to become very popular as well. And um, speaking of that whole, the fact that this particular website separates it based on what type of con it is, um, a good thing to um, be having the front of your mind when you're looking at con to go attend is to see what type of con it is. Yes. Like, if you're a plushie maker, you're going to probably do really, really well at a toy con. Mm -hmm. And you'll probably do well at any other con, too, but um, probably you would do better at a specialized con for your artwork. Um, same way, if you do comics and you, like, do Marvel or DC-themed sorts of comic work, you're probably going to do much better at a... Comic Con than you would at an anime con. Yes. So just be aware of what sort of con you're applying for. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's actually a good point. So it's really great because then you'll know like what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Because the last thing you want to do is like sell anime artwork at a gamer convention. <laughs> I mean, not saying that you probably wouldn't sell anything because pe people who go to a specific con may have multiple interests, mm -hmm. but you would probably do better in an anime con if you're an anime artist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially if it's an obscure anime that no one has ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Um, other ways that you can find out what conventions to sell at, basically word of mouth and Facebook. I mean, our conventions that we've attended, we've heard about them. And usually what happens is someone will come up and just ask, are you going to attend X convention? We're like, no, no but tell us more about this. Like, when is this? Where is this? <laughs> exactly. Details. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically just figuring out what convention you want to sell at. Any other like specifics and details like that? I mean, I love the internet. So the internet can help you out. Yes. And there's also Facebook groups you can attend as well that you can join. And especially for artists. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to give out a big shout out to Artist Alley Network International. They, It's basically a whole hub of artists everywhere. And they talk about conventions. They, gone, they talk about everything, basically. Yeah. So, and attending conventions and which convention to go to would probably be a very popular subject there. So, something to check out. So that was the end of step one. Um, step two, applying for a table slash booth. Yes. I don't like doing that. <laughs> I, I, well, it is very important to get a table. Because if you don't have a table, you're not going anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> or a booth even, depending, you know, what you're getting. But just the whole process is annoying. Yeah. yeah. It, it can be a very stressful experience, especially depending on what con you're applying to. Um... First off, if you are a starter, you're going to apply for an artist heli table. Don't even worry about booths right now. <laughs> um, booths are A, more expensive, and B, really, really big. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they are. So, um, let's stick to the artist alley table side. Um, artist alley tables are basically your basic six to eight foot table in the artist alley in giant row if you find all the artists. Mm -hmm. Applying for them can range from buying them at the, at the con to having a very, very long online process where you have to go through several steps to get your table. And quite honestly, um, you may not know when they open table sales online unless you are sitting on the social media site of yeah. all those conventions. Because <laughs> that has happened to us before, too. Yeah. Multiple times we had, actually it was just this past uh, year, we had two table, or two conventions open their table uh, purchases on the same, in the same month. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's fun. And uh, part of the reason, because it's, because that's really annoying, <clears throat> not only because they will open it, like, at the same month, but because the cost of the table yeah. as well. Um the cheapest table that you've seen is what seventy five. Yeah, I've seen seventy five at like one or two day cons, mm -hmm. but for the ma majority of cons, it's usually three to four day, and I've seen anywhere from one thirty five to two hundred and some odds. Oh, so wow, <laughs> yeah, no, so, and for a beginner, this might be a little bit intimidating. In fact, it might just be a you know, it might be a deal breaker. Yeah, because you know you're starting out. The last thing you want to do is spend money. Exactly. So one thing to bear in mind though is that uh, you have to spend money to make money. That's just a cold hard fact mm -hmm. of any business and especially for conventions that's just the way of life. Yeah. Um, but also something to, you know, something as a nice reminder, you can share a table. Yes, and save you money. Exactly. <laughs> so if you have a friend or if you know somebody who would want to attend a convention and probably if they're an artist and they want to sell their stuff, you're more than welcome to, you know, ask them if they want to split a table and stuff. In fact, that's how Cy and I started. As for the application procedures, um, 
Some conventions do want to see a website or a portfolio, depending on which convention it is. And usually it's kind of like one of the bigger conventions I've noticed. Um, mostly it's it's really big ones like Fanime and mm-hmm. AX. And I believe Tayo is doing a jury. No, Tayo did a jury selection and they're like a medium really? small. Yeah. Huh. Um, so a lot more of the small ones are starting doing the jury selection, which I'm actually okay with yeah. because basically they want to know what sort of art and artists are going to be in their alley. Right. And they're going to ask you questions like, what sorts of things are you planning to sell? Mm-hmm. Where's your website? We can look at your work. And honestly, we haven't ever been not selected from a jury process, but I've heard of some artists who have been. Mm-hmm. And in, in the defense of people who've been rejected, it is probably not a reflection of your art sometimes. Because sometimes the jury selection is just they have too much of one item and they so they say, Well you're selling you're selling all of this which is similar to the majority of the artist alley, so maybe we're gonna choose someone who does like maybe more plushies and stuff. Right. It may not be a reflection of your artistic talent if you're mm-hmm. rejected from a jury selection. It could just be they want a variety in their artist alley. True. That's very, very true. So don't take it personally if you do get rejected. Um, but it is a good idea to build up a portfolio or a website. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of free web spaces out there that you can grab. So let's start building that up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was step two. Um, applying for a table slash booth. Um, step three, one of my favorite steps, um, basically figuring out what to sell or yeah. what to bring. Yeah. And that's an age-old artist question that yes. every artist asks that, whether you're new or old or been in it for 20 years. Yes. So, <laughs> like, what are we going to bring to this convention? <laughs> we might do an entire episode on this because it's just... There's so many, like, little bits and details about... Uh, what to bring, and we can cover a variety of subjects as yeah, well. So we could we could totally talk this thing to death. <laughs> <laughs> but for the sake of our listeners, um, we'll try and do bullet points, and yeah. we'll get into little details about different items. So if you are a beginner and you just got your table and you finally have, you know, you have your ducks in a row, and now you're at this point where you just want to figure out what to sell, mm-hmm. what to bring, what do. <laughs> And when you're at that decision point, um, depending on what type of artist you are, you'll be in one of two camps. You'll either be the 2D or the 3D. Mm-hmm. And the majority of beginner artist alley people are usually in the 2D camp, so we'll start there. <laughs> yeah, we'll start with them. The most basic thing you can do is just make anything or bring stuff that's just made out of paper. Yeah, that's um, pretty safe bet. Prints, stickers, bookmarks, those are basically standard artist alley things you'll find. It's it's really tempting to do just one just one of everything that you could think of. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. <laughs> you you will go insane. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in that aspect, getting a little bit more into details about prints, because um, we have seen people ask, you know, what what size prints should I make? How much should I make? Yeah. Um, how much should I bring? And yeah. just like first off, chill. <laughs> Also, discussing, like, what are the most popular sizes. Mm-hmm. What 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 size sells better in the artist alley? And the answer to that particular question is, 
No one really knows. We don't know. It honestly depends on what the, your particular customer wants to use the print for. And mm-hmm. you don't know if someone like has, has a poster wall or if someone has a tiny space they want to fit a new print in. Yeah. And quite honestly, my mm-hmm. suggestion would be just make the artwork and then make it a print what looks logical to you. Because mm-hmm. um, you, can't, you can't actually guess what people are going to be into unless you know your audience inside and out. And if you're new, you kind of don't know yet. So Yeah, so... I would just say kind of go your gut feeling on that. If, yeah. If your artwork happens to be the size of a poster, go with it. it. Print it as a poster. <laughs> if you think you want it smaller, then make it smaller. Like Sai was saying, people have different preferences, and that is so true. Sai actually likes the bigger posters, and I like the smaller ones. Yep. <laughs> so, because I'm looking around in her office, and she has the big posters, and if you go into my little office space, you'll see a bunch of little 8 by 10s But that's because I decorate differently and I put everything on my wall. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you never know who has what taste and what size. Yeah. So so just keep that in mind. Other popular prints would be the 8 by 10s and also the 4 by 6s which are kind of like postcard sizes. Yeah. Uh, postcard prints are hit or miss. I've seen mm-hmm. them do well in an artist style and I've seen them do horrible in an artist style. Yeah. So... <laughs> so I would say it's it always depends on the content on yeah. it. So I have a couple of 4x6 prints, and I love them to death because they're cute and small, and you can arrange them in, like, little, little exactly. spaces. Exactly. So um, discussing prints a little bit more, let's talk about how much to bring. <laughs> yeah. Usually this, this question applies to almost everything, but I've seen it more towards prints. Mm-hmm. And basically people are like, well, I have this really cool print that I think will sell well. Should I bring 20? The answer is no. (laughs) Um, Never bring 20 of anything unless you are completely 100% sure you're going to sell out. Because even if something's popular, that doesn't mean you're going to go through 20 of anything during a con. Um, And rule of thumb, less is more. Um, if If you bring five of a big poster and you sell out, that's a good thing. If you bring 20 of a poster and only sell two, that's a bad thing. First off, when you run out of stuff, that's kind of a good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> However, you don't have anything else. <laughs> but the rule of thumb, especially for beginners, a good number is probably like what three to five. Yeah, for beginners, it's just uh, depending if it's fan art and it's a popular fandom. I say beginners start with about five. Mm-hmm. If it's original and you're not that well known, I say between two and three. Um, because there's nothing more frustrating than coming home from a con with an overabundance of product that you can't yeah. move. And this isn't said to, like, discourage you from, like, not bringing your original work. Mm-hmm. If anything, it can just, you know, you can explore your fandoms. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people like to bring stuff that they love to watch or love to, you know, play or stuff like that, like mm-hmm. video games, shows. I, I've seen, like, way too many Steven Universe stuff. <laughs> They're everywhere. They're <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Um, which isn't a bad thing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's about it, about what to bring. Um, for prints, if you have, like, any specific questions about prints, definitely feel free to shoot us an email or talk to us. Um, I will tell your email at the end of the podcast. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, anything else 2D? Um, well, stickers. S- stickers, yeah. Those are actually becoming a very popular item in the other Sally, also because people are just figuring out how to print stickers for less of an initial cost (laughs) and there's two ways you can do it you can hand make your stickers at home which well with some materials like a sticker maker and uh paper (laughs) (laughs) and i mean if you have the materials that's a great way to start because we start that's how we started and it was a xyron sticker maker which is about 20 bucks for the extra large size so you can make up to five inch stickers Mm -hmm. and the paper refills are like 
between five and ten dollars depending on when you get them. Yeah. And you basically print off the paper at Staples, cut them out, run with the machine, and you're good to go, and you have a sticker. And it's a great beginner start for stickers. It is. It is. If you're a beginner, I definitely recommend a sticker maker. I I love the sticker maker. Sometimes I'll I'll use it. Yeah. <laughs> at conventions, if you think you have the funds for it, you can also go to online websites like Sticker U. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually just received some stickers. They look amazing, by the way. They do. But stickers, uh, they are really popular. I love stickers. They're fun. They're they're great. I actually put them in one of my notebooks. Um, but that's definitely something. Bookmarks are also very popular. Depending, you can get those printed anywhere. Yeah, there's a, there's a multiple plethora of ways to do it. We're not going to cover them all on this podcast, because that's for another podcast entirely. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, you can look around online on just Google how to do bookmarks, and there are so many different ways and different styles you can do a bookmark that... There's no way we can cover them all. <laughs> yeah, oh, seriously. Um, but the number one thing that everybody uses, laminate. Yes. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> um, unless you have bookmarks printed from an actual bookmark printer. Mm-hmm. Like, Overnight Prints actually prints bookmarks. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so that, that, that's the one exception to the lamination rule. Unless you get bookmarks printed from a bookmark printer, laminate your bookmarks. Yeah. <laughs> just to protect them, and it also adds a nice glossy sheen over your artwork, so. Yeah, so. And I like bookmarks, too. They're fun. They're, they're great. I, I enjoy them. I don't read as much, though, but I like them. <laughs> okay, um, so that's basically what you can cover for uh, 2D yep. prints. I'm pretty sure there's, like, way more stuff that we can cover. Yeah. But like I said, this is something we can definitely cover an entire episode about. And yeah. I can't wait to do that. <laughs> 3D. I know this is kind of, like, more for veteran folks. However, there's some people out there who are beginning who do 3D items, like yeah. plushies, um, the little amigurumi crochet animals, too. Which, uh, that is, that is wiz- wizardry to me. It's, <laughs> it's lovely wizardry. I just, like, how do? <laughs> yeah, right? I, I always wanted to do one of those, but I have no idea how. <laughs> so I'm going to learn one of these days. I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up. As for other 3D items, you got shirts, uh, little compact mirrors. I've seen a lot of yeah. places, so they're kind of making a comeback. And bags. The bags. Oh, yeah, definitely bags. Tote bags, the little uh, makeup bags. Coin purses. Those are definitely, a, a, I've seen those everywhere now. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy the coin purses, too. Yeah. Especially the, the t- teeny tiny ones. Those are fun. Let's see. There's also uh, buttons. Before I forget, buttons. <laughs> buttons are one of my favorite things, so let's talk about buttons. Okay, well, um, buttons in particular are, they're a staple in an artist alley, um, and people love buttons, and I I approve of this. <laughs> it reminds me of way back when in Facebook kind of had the pieces of flair, and you would collect... Oh, I remember this. Yeah, you would collect the flair, and what it was, it was basically a circle with an image on it. And you can just put it on your cork, on your uh, online cork board. And it was just flair, and it, it basically looked like you, you were placing buttons on the, uh, or pins, onto your cork board. That's what it reminds me. Well, I mean, technically, that's exactly what it is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, with buttons in particular, there's a couple ways to do about getting them. The... If you want to do buttons as your entire table for your first con, mm-hmm. I honestly would suggest you bite the bullet and invest in getting a, a button maker. And button makers can range from, if you get the complete packages or just the machine itself, they can range anywhere from 300 to $1,000 I've seen. And um, our particular button maker with all our supplies for 1,000 buttons and our cutter was 600 And I know that number sounds really, really scary, but... 
the trade-off for being able to make your own buttons and actually have control of your stock mm -hmm. is actually wonderful. And you don't have to worry about, um, have I made enough buttons? Will I run out of this button? Because I only had so much made, pre-made or whatever. Right. And you can just actually bring the machine to your table and make them as people order them. So you don't actually have to have, have a background of stock. Yeah, and um, our rule of thumb is for us when we do buttons is basically we have one for show and one to go. Yeah. Basically means we have the display one and we have the actual button. Like I said, once somebody gets a button, we'll give that to you and then we'll make another one and we don't spend like two minutes yeah. <laughs> making the button in front of them. <laughs> Not saying that, you know... That's just good customer service. Well, I think. well, sometimes we just we do have a problem where people buy multiple of the same button. We're like, we only have one. <laughs> yeah, let's try and fix this as fast as we can. <laughs> I believe there's also websites out there about websites that make buttons for you. Yeah, there's lots of websites out there. I don't know any off the top of my head. If you just Google button supply or button maker websites or something like that, and also there are um, on I know there's listings on Etsy where yes. there are actual people who own a button maker who offer to make your buttons for you, mm -hmm. you just pay them for that service. Yeah. And those that's really handy because mm -hmm. you know someone actually has a button maker and you can choose how many of what design you want to do. And, like, button online suppliers, like, I can't remember any of them off the top of my head, but um, they have, like, you have to have ten of one design or whatever, and it's really hard to split the designs among them sometimes. Right. So um, if you want just a small amount of buttons... Go for either the Etsy listing sorts of button makers or for the online suppliers. Mm -hmm. But if you plan to be your entire tape first table is going to be all buttons or yeah. like over half buttons, I would say maybe time to grab to a grab button maker. that a button maker and, and do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. So that's about it on buttons. Um, another three D item that seems to be very very popular that I don't. I didn't write them down, would be acrylic charms. Yeah, acrylic charms have started to basically take over artist alleys, which is a good thing. It's mostly because the acrylic charm printers are now more accessible and a lot more a lot more inexpensive than they were back in the day. Yes. As a result, one of the more staple items of an artist alley are kind of getting outmoded, but I still see people wanting to collect them, and mm -hmm. there are these laminated keychains which are a very standard item that you find usually only in conventions and usually anime conventions. Usually anime conventions. I haven't seen them anywhere else. Yeah, and basically it's just a character or something that's on, that's cut out, laminated, and has a keychain hook. Mm -hmm. And basically these are like almost a dime a dozen in an artist alley. You'll yeah. find dozens upon dozens of artists who have at least, if not a huge selection, a, like a set of this type of keychain. Yeah. And they're really inexpensive to make, and they're really just, they're just really affordable for people to buy, so I mm -hmm. think that's why they're still around. But yeah. a lot of artists have started making more acrylic pins, or acrylic charms, yes. than they have those laminated keychains. Mm -hmm. And so there's been this sort of weird tension between acrylic charm and laminated keychain where we're like, okay, which one's going to win this yeah, war? Yeah, <laughs> which one's better than the other? Yeah. <laughs> I like both of them, first off. Exactly. But in all honesty, I would rather go with the laminated keychains. Only because I will put them on my actual keychain, and I am just so paranoid that if I put an acrylic one, it'll break, I'll lose it, it's what have you. <laughs> so I prefer the laminated one because, you know, it can it can resist a lot. Which is interesting um, because I actually prefer the acrylic because uh -huh. I have, like, five acrylic charms that are not on my keys but are on my phone because... Mm -hmm. 
I will not put them on my keys because I am paranoid about them breaking on my keys. But right? on my phone, I'm like, well, I'm gentle with my phone, so I'm not yeah. worried about that. But um, I just like the feel and the heft of acrylic charms. Uh-huh. However, the paper keychains, um, I still like to collect if there's some of a character I really like. Oh, yeah. And it's like it's sort of like being able to collect mini characters and not having to break the bank by having acrylic charms of them. I think it's like a nice alternative to um, trading cards. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They're like hangable trading cards. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if people would be okay with trading one for the other. That would be cute, actually. That would be a fun practice. It would. I wonder how I can implement that. <laughs> Put a note. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, the acrylic keychains are definitely a 3D item if you want to invest in that. Um, I think one of the sites that do it, uh, Acorn Press and Chili Pig? Uh, Ch- Acorn Press and Chili Pig are the American side, and they're, the, they're like, not as well-known as, like, Zap Creatives. Right. And um, Zap Creatives is nice. It's just, I'm... The shipping from the UK, it just, I can't, it kills me. <laughs> I can't justify shipping from the UK. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not horrible, but at the same time, I have to buy a huge amount yeah. to justify me getting anything from um, Zap Creatives. Mm-hmm. And with Acorn Press and Chili Pig, they had really low minimums, Yeah. which I like. Um, I believe both their minimums are 10 charms, which... Oh, that's great. Much better than 50. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um... I feel like the acrylic charm, since the cost is so low, it would be good for beginners and... Yeah, if you want to try, if you're starting out and you want to try the acrylic charm, I would suggest doing a low run at one of the American printers, just to get a feel for how to set up acrylic charms and not to break your bank account. And then if you want, and I would bring probably maybe one or two designs that you think would sell really well. Yeah. And then go from there if you really like... Um, doing acrylic charms and they were really received well, maybe continue making one new one per con you go to. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so those are some hints and tips. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope this information helps with any beginners. Um, we will be stopping here. I feel like this is kind of a natural stopping point. Mm-hmm. However, on our next episode, we will be talking about getting your business license and also setting up your table. Yep. So that'll be fun. Yes. <laughs> Things to look forward to for Pixel and Graphite, as mentioned before, we will be attending Game On, and that is August 5th through the 7th. And make sure to visit our both our websites at pixelandgraphite.net and also pixelandgraphite.ticktail.com. That is our store. You can definitely grab our Love Your Gamer Side tote bag and a bunch of other goodies. We actually have uh, some mugs, pillows. Clocks. Clocks. Do we still have notebooks on there? Um, notebooks are not on there yet. Not on there yet. Okay. But clocks are on there. <laughs> <laughs> so there. <laughs> you can also follow us on our social media sites. We have a Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and a Patreon, too. If you become a patron on Patreon, you'll be able to get a bunch of goodies, a bunch of behind-the-scenes, and you'll also be able to not only listen to the podcast early, but you'll be able to get a transcript and a bunch of other notes, too. So And, and you'll be bloopers. A- and bloopers. Because <laughs> we have a lot of those. <laughs> But yeah, feel free to uh, to subscribe or to sign up or follow or tweet or whatever it is. And also, if you would like us to talk about anything specific on the podcast, or if you have any uh, tips or suggestions that you would like us to talk about, feel free to email us. Um, the email is pixel.and.graphite at gmail.com. It's a lot of dots. <laughs> we always tend to respond quickly. And if you already follow us on Facebook, Give us the message. Yeah. So, 
That's about it for this episode. I'm Alex. And I'm Sai. And we hope to see you again on the next episode of the Pixel and Graphic Convention Podcast. Bye! Bye!